Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bad holes. Politicians. Dressed as digitators and magicians. First you see the money. Then you don't. There's nothing to fill the holes while they're filling their pockets. Potholes and politicians bouncing down the road. Everybody's wishing for no more corruption and dysfunction. It's gonna take divine intervention. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another edition of the Founders Show here on WRNO 99.5 FM and WSLA 1560 AM. Ladies and gentlemen, we come to you four times a week. And this, our special first inaugural show of the United States Senate race interviews comes. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a crowded field of people looking to seek to succeed David Vitter in the U.S. Senate. And folks, this is Chaplain High McHenry, your spin Gary Baba of the Republican. Of course, you're listening to the Founders Show, the voice of the Founding Fathers, and you just heard Christopher Tidmore, the journalist par excellence of our show and of the entire city of New Orleans. And we got a very ex- special and exciting guest for you all today, none other than Rob Manus, Colonel Manus, a retired Air Force colonel, combat colonel, uh, led men into combat in, in Iraq and, uh, and, uh, and, and other places, and um, has then retired after his military career and went into the business world. And then about a, two years ago, he ran for the Senate against Mary Landrieu. Uh, he did not win, but he did something that was stunning to p- real political insiders. He gathered together the largest group of people ever to, that had never voted before or had voted Democrat prior, prior to, this ele- to his election that joined his side. Uh, he, it was an amazing election, even though he didn't win. It was an amazing accomplishment from a guy who came from nowhere with no political background. He's a real outsider to have such an accomplishment uh, and running it all on a shoestring out of his pickup truck. He's a real American, a real patriot. He has college degrees from master's degrees from Harvard and from uh, the the Army War College. And uh, he's truly a a real patriot, a real family man, uh, one of the finest men I've gotten to know over over my years. And so without further ado, we give you. Colonel Manus. Colonel Ma- Manus, welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to be back, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We got many questions for you about US, uh, your bid for the U.S. Senate. Um, but we want to start off with a, a more basic one, and that is, could this race be a little bit hard for a Republican to, strange as this is going to sound, make the runoff? And, um, and what we want to talk to you about is your strategy, because... Right now, here's what we're reading. As I was starting to say, is there three Democrats in the race uh, going as Foster Campbell, Josh uh, Pellegrin, and Carolyn Fayard versus, according to some estimates, and I've written at, at, at last count eight stories in the U.S. Senate race since, uh, the, since December. 
there are potentially 10 candidates in the field actively uh, running right now, sending out press releases, campaigning, so on and so forth, is you, Colonel Congressman John Fleming, Charles Bustani, John Kennedy, Joseph Gao, former congressman from New Orleans, amongst just a few. And there's even more looking, um, uh, including a couple, uh, a PSC commissioner, state rep. So many Republicans out there that an interesting scenario has been suggested, not just by me and my column, but others. And that is what would happen if there's so many Republicans that the vote gets divided and you end up with two Democrats leading the field. Remember, this almost happened in the 1996 Senate race. It came very close to happening where it's just a question of math. You have Foster Campbell and, say, Caroline Fayard with 20 percent of the vote. The hard floor for Democrats in Louisiana in a jungle primary is about 43 percent. Let's just say that is 18, 19 percent of the vote. And the Republicans, all of whom have constituencies, divide the vote to the the point they don't get in the runoff. What are you going to do to guarantee not only there is a Republican in the runoff, but you are there ahead of two sitting congressmen, a sitting uh, state treasurer, a former congressman, and a gaggle of potential other Republicans? That's a lot of questions in one, Chris. Yeah. That was was quite long, quite long. The uh, here's the deal. You're right. There are a lot of politicians running in this race. In my last count, there were at least 11 politicians running in this race. Uh, and there's one warrior colonel. And it's not so much important that I'm a Republican, although I am a Republican, have been all my life. Uh, but uh, I'm running uh, as an American that's concerned about his country. Uh, I have uh, the second highest uh, name ID and favorability uh, ratings and consistently in all the known polls that we've seen that are out in public, uh, uh, only behind the treasurer, uh, who is getting lots of name. I- he's got almost universal name IDs. Some of them Mary Landry did and his favorables are considerably higher than everybody else's except for mine. Uh, so we're the only two Republicans in the race that had fav- positive favorable numbers in the polling that we've seen, uh, with Democrats. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, in the 2014 election, I received uh, uh, over 202,000 votes, and uh, we had polled those voters, uh, and uh, we had their contact info. And the polling shows that they're about 50% Trump uh, and 50% Cruz supporters. Uh, and uh, this is a year that it's the wrong time, wrong year to be a politician running against a warrior colonel, uh, quite frankly especially one that's got a statewide organization that's already up and running, uh, especially one that uh, uh, starts out with a base of uh, over 200,000 voters, uh, especially one that has access to all of the 339,000 veterans uh, voter information in the state, uh, and uh, we're going to continue to push that. And, by the way, we did raise $3 million in 18 months in the 2014 election, so we didn't start out with a zero fundraiser base this time, and that'll be. You're going to get is is the 14 percent you got in the 2014 election your floor in the primary? We believe that it is. Yes, yeah, we believe that it is uh, for all the reasons that I just stated. And I just got endorsed by the uh, Republican Liberty Caucus and uh, Senator Rand Paul this morning in the Republican Liberty Caucus yesterday. I've also been endorsed by Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, who uh, really broadens our base. Uh, Ms. Mary Madeline, uh, uh, a great national uh, 
once GOP strategist, uh, uh, now and you uh, and you bring it up, a libertarian. libertarian. Yeah. Does the fact yeah, that now libertarian uh, uh, and we we've we've got we got to bring up Colonel Manus. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> we got to get uh, to the next Dr. question. Ben Carson's endorsed this, and, and Governor Palin's endorsed this. Doctor James Dobson. So as you can see, we have a coalition of folks uh, that are coming on board, and that's my point. Are you? We have a coalition you, of voter base and endorsements, uh, and we have a statewide organization that nobody else has got. So, and you, and you mentioned obviously you mentioned Rand Paul. You've got a lot of libertarian-minded people on there. Mary Madeline herself, a libertarian now. Are you? Let me ask you this question. You've come on record uh, previously and said you were going to support Donald Trump as a Republican nominee. But he's been having a bit of a problem this past uh, last week. Um, he, you know, uh, with several Republican candidates for the U.S. Senate, several sitting senators like Mark Kirk disavowing him based on these comments about the judge. So let me ask you a question. Does it come down? Are you having a problem with the guy at the top of the ticket? If he's the Republican nominee, uh, we should because it, it's got you got to admit, uh, Colonel, there is a it is a little difficult. For some Republicans, having Donald Trump at the top of the ticket, well, they need to man up and woman up and uh, you know fulfill their obligations, especially the ones that signed the pledge to support him that were Senate, that were presidential candidates. Uh, you know, that's that's a it's a principled position. Uh, you know, I, I supported Bill Cassidy in my uh, in my race in the runoff because uh, uh, not only did I say I would during the campaign. Uh, uh, you know, I believe that a Republican was better for the state of Louisiana uh, than con- this continued downward spiral of the Democratic Party into something that appears to be some somewhat socialist to me. Uh, and I've only been around the world uh, for a long time, and I've faced down communism and socialism before. I'm going to turn this over to. So I'm going to turn this over to. Like, sounds like Colonel Colonel Manis, I'm going to turn this over to High. He's got a whole series of questions, but I want to ask two last questions. Are you at all disturbed okay. by the comments that were made by um, uh, by Mr. Trump? about the the, uh, the Trump University case and specifically Judge Gonzalo Carrillo? What, I, what I'm I mean, some of your colleagues. Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm disturbed about is all the hand-wringing uh, over those comments when if a Democrat uh, like uh, Hillary Clinton uh, would make comments about a woman being a better, having better judgment because of her experiences as a judge or uh, or those kind of things, or the, the Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor saying that a Latina woman was going to have better judgment than a white male. Uh, I'm more disturbed that people are hand-wringing over Mr. Trump's comments, and they never said a word about those comments. And, and that's just ridiculous. It's political correctness. Uh, you know, I'm not going to defend Donald Trump's comments. That's up to him to do. Uh, but if he's got concerns about a judge, he ought to be able to speak his mind about it, because people do that all the time in this country. Uh, and it's only okay, it appears to only be okay uh, when you're uh, on the political correct side of the liberals on the left who tend to want to use uh, some type of authoritarianism, uh, intimidation, violence now that we've seen out in San Jose, California. Uh, and it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So I'm more and concerned lastly, about that uh, than I am defending Mr. Trump. And lastly, so I can turn it over to High, what are your thoughts Gary Johnson's been surging in the polls. He's at 10%. Polls are saying that actually Gary Johnson and Bill Weld are taking just as much from Hillary Clinton as from um, as from Donald Trump, as from the Republican constituency base. What do you, you're a pretty libertarian kind of guy, Colonel Manus. What do you think about Gary Johnson? 
I'm a liberty-minded kind of guy, but I also believe in the liberty of uh, the unborn human being uh, to have the, the foundational liberty that America stands on and what it was founded on, which is the right to human life. Uh, and science shows that the third strand of DNA is is created at conception of the human being uh, that's different than its mother and father. Uh, so uh, Mr. Johnson is on the opposite side uh, of that debate with me, and that's a showstopper for me as far as I'm concerned. He's also on the opposite side of the gun control debate with me, uh, and he's on the opposite side of, of many, many other things besides, except for probably fiscal conservatism, unfortunately. The gun control debate? I, he's, I know Weld has been covering yeah, that, but, he just, but, uh, but Johnson is pretty Second Amendment. I mean, the, um, uh, that one is what I haven't seen. seen. I, spent some, I, I spent some time in New Mexico, and I've, I've seen some of the things out there that he said and did. And uh, I'm of the opinion that uh, he is not uh, pro-Second Amendment, you know. And I believe in the Bill of Rights, all the Bill of Rights. So, you know. Well, but then again, you got to admit that the, Donald the Trump used to not be. So. You got to admit Donald Trump used to not be very Second Amendment or pro-life. And that you know, I can argue. You're right. You know, um, Gary Johnson is definitely pro-choice, but Donald Trump was, was for more gun control just about a couple of years ago. That doesn't bother you? <laughs> I didn't say it didn't bother me, but uh, you know, he won. <laughs> Yeah, he, he won the nomination, and I uh, and uh, I don't believe I ought to jump over to the Libertarian Party uh, when the guy he won on saying that he had changed his position. So uh, uh, you know, Garrett, Mr. Johnson hasn't changed any of his positions, and uh, I just don't think it would be right uh, for me to jump over uh, and uh, and vote with Mr. Johnson when and there were so many things foundationally and, and principally that I disagree with him on. So. Hi. You had some questions. Yeah, yeah, and some observations. Yeah, it's true. Trump has been all over the board. Easy questions. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> softball, softball. No, no, I got. I play hardball. Anyway, no, but just an observation that, yeah, Trump's been all over the place in his past as far as his positions go. Uh, I have a tape from him on an on. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Oprah Show, 28 years ago. And it's word for word what he's saying right now. But then he goes back and he gets on liberal things. And all of this, I believe, was happening because he was having to operate and run a business, a large, huge business in New York City. And it's so far to the left that when he was trying to curry favor with politicians, he began to talk their language. Not that he really uh, was deeply committed to it, but it was good for business. Well, he has a different position now. He's now in the political arena. And he's not going to have to uh, really stand for something and, and not waver on it. And I believe he is. And I believe the real Donald Trump is coming out. If you look at his family background, he's, he's, he's very, very constitutional and family value oriented that all, all good conservative constitutional folks would follow. He has a wonderful uh, family background and biography of growing up in New York and where, you know, the military academy went to all that good stuff where he was, a, you know, the head of the, uh, the drill team and. Just a really great sports player, uh, not much of a student, but then later on realized he had to become a good student, and he did in college when he got his master's degree. Uh, anyway, but enough with, with Donald Trump. Uh, we we, we want to really focus on, on Rob right now. And um, uh, Rob, you, you gave us a 
back, uh, le- was it a Tuesday night, uh, folks, I heard Rob Manus speak at the, uh, the pro-gun, uh, pro, you know, pro-Second Amendment meeting uh, put on by the Home Self-Defense Organization. And uh, it was really wonderful. And, Rob, you gave us a brief bio or, you know, background on your credentials, why you are qualified to be our next senator. It was fascinating about the, 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 uh, the perimeter you defended and, uh, and, and right, right off the Mexican border at the big air base uh, and without one penetration, which is amazing, uh, and on and on and on. You gave us a lot of good background. I wish you'd do that again right now so everybody can really get a good picture of you. Thank you. That's my first question. Well, thanks, Ivan. Let me let me be clear. Uh, Donald Trump wasn't my first, second, third choice, or whatever. Uh, uh, you know, but uh, he and Senator Cruz were both successful in this campaign to be president uh, because of the similarity that to my background and experience. I had three decades of leadership experience uh, learned uh, outside of politics and out in the real world. Uh, I have. Uh, 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 a, a strong background as a liberty-minded constitutionalist, uh, which is very similar to Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and Rand Paul, uh, and the American people and the people of Louisiana are tired of this politics. Uh, if we didn't have a very wide path to victory, uh, I wouldn't be in this race uh, because I've done it once, as Christopher pointed out so eloquently, uh, and it's not an easy thing to do, uh, and uh, we fought very, very hard. came up short last night. Uh, but our path to victory this time is so clear that this year, uh, those 10 or 11 or whatever number of politicians running against one warrior, uh, they're going to come up short. It doesn't matter how much money they have. We've seen time and time again, uh, you know, the battlefields of camp, political campaigns littered with, with $10 million candidates that came up short for various reasons. Uh, and this is going to be one of those years too. Uh, so, uh, we are, uh, uh, going to uh, take the fight to them, and we're going to win. Uh, we're going to win because I have three decades of leadership experience learned outside of politics. Uh, all political leadership is what's failing this country and failing our state. Uh, I have uh, uh, graduated from Harvard, you mentioned, and graduated from the Navy War College and Air University with master's degrees from all three. And So I have a strong academic background in international security and foreign policy, national strategy, and operational science. That's what we need in the United States Senate. Senators are there to advise and consent on treaties and advise and consent on Supreme Court justices. We need strong uh, academic background and experienced leaders in those areas, uh, the Constitution and national security and foreign policy, uh, to, to fulfill those unique functions of the United States Senate. Uh, and, uh, and my experience uh, lends itself to being the most qualified in this race regardless of uh, what uh, uh, candidates come into the race. There's not another candidate that has the qualifications of serving on the Joint Staff and advising the President of the United States and the Secretary of Defense and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs in nuclear strategy and operations. I wrote three pages in the 40-page black book. That's the nuclear decision handbook that's carried in the football with the President. You have to be the expert in the plans to write those pages. Uh, after I survived the attack on 9-11 in the Pentagon, I helped write the uh, the war plan for the war on terrorism. And uh, then later, a few months later, went back to take command of a squadron uh, within the next year or so and took a B-1 bomber squadron to war a couple of times to fight the war on terror. I've had to give orders in combat and live with the consequences of those orders, regardless of what they may be for the rest of my entire life. No one has that qualification or perspective uh, in this race. Uh, 
And, and it's very important that we have folks in the United States Senate that have that background and are con- strong, con- liberty-minded constitutionalists and get away from this partisan and start thinking like Americans and that America needs to be strong and it needs to lead and it shouldn't go messing around in places that it that doesn't beat it doesn't need to in order to protect its vital national interests. And we certainly don't want to waste our, our young men and women's sacrifice uh, unnecessarily. I think we've intervened in places militarily much too often in the last few years. Uh, and it's caused uh, the Middle East to be on fire. We're weak. America's weaker than it's ever been. We're not leading in the world. The Middle East uh, and, the, and a lot of the European world are on fire. We're being challenged in the Pacific by the Chinese. Uh, and, uh, that makes the world a much more dangerous place, and the, and the possibility of us going to a much wider, larger war is very real because we're so weak. You know, our allies can't trust us anymore. The enemy doesn't respect or fear us. Uh, and I have the qualifications to help right that ship and, and be a strong, credible voice in the United States Senate, to be a check and a balance on whoever the executive is, and to, and to, to start taking this government and reducing our costs. Reducing our costs, you know, I managed a $250 billion budget in the United States Air Force. I led a team that built a $7 billion budget and run it through the congressional approval process. I know what the, uh, how to do that. I commanded the sixth largest Air Force base in the world out in the American Southwest of New Mexico. 53,000 acres, much of it was not fenced. We had 23,000 personnel on there, and, and the most precious national security assets America owned that we were protecting. And I know how to protect the border. That's one that's not even fenced. Uh, I know how to do it. I know what policies are necessary. And I know how to deal with the numbers of personnel that there are. So we need people with my background and experience to be up, go up to the United States Senate and insist that America is made strong again, that it's leading in the world, uh, that we're appointing Supreme Court justices that are constitutionalists. And we're going to get to, we're going to get to that. Joining us, joining uh, us here on the Founders Show, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, if you would, Colonel, give us one second. Join us here in the Founders Show is Colonel Rob Maness. He is running for the United States Senate. He ran in 2014, uh, came in with 14% of the vote, which, according to some calculations, would be um, would be enough in this crowded field to be able to make a runoff this time if he can hold those voters and build upon it. And you mentioned national security um, uh, in detail there. America's predilection for foreign conflicts. The Iraq war is going to be a major issue in the presidential race. Donald Trump says he was against it at the time. We don't know. Uh, Hillary Clinton was certainly for it, though now she's against it. Should we have gone into Iraq? Isn't it time for us to take it? I was serving in the United States military at that time, uh, and uh, uh, wasn't in the decision-making process. uh, Well, I know, I know, but I'm asking, I'm just asking you I can tell you militarily, militarily, we destabilized the Middle East. Uh, The president apparently made decisions based on, on weak information. Uh, that uh, may or may not have been uh, uh, set up for him to make his decision. I don't know. Uh, but I can tell you, we destabilized the Middle East. We now have a, a potential nuclear hegemonic power in Iran that the uh, United States of America just allowed to get $150 billion back of its assets. Colonel, if you had been in the Senate, if you had been in the Senate, on terrorism. if you had been in the Senate in 2003, would you have voted for the Iraq War or voted against it? I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't in the Senate. I was a uh, major in the United States Air Force uh, trying to serve my country and follow orders. I can tell you that the men that I worked for uh, in the Pentagon 
uh, argued vigorously against it, and I agreed with them. When, but they lost the argument, uh, and, uh, and we had to go do our duty. Uh, On that note, we now are left yeah. with uh, with a Democrat president that's made us even weaker by pulling our troops out, and not leaving us. On that note, hi, we got to take a quick commercial break, ladies and gentlemen. We'll come back. We're going to turn to domestic policy, Social Security, other elements, coastal erosion here in Louisiana, and a series of others for our special guest joining us for the hour, United States Senate candidate Rob Manish. You're listening to The Founders Show. We come on, the voice of the Founding Fathers, we come on WRNO 99.5 FM on Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m., and we're also on WSLA 1560 a.m., Friday, Monday, and Wednesday from 8 to 9 a.m. in Morning Drive. And you can always get us on demand on um, at WRNO.com on the on-demand section. Just look for The Founders Show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Christopher Tidmore and... Chaplain High McHenry, your, your, voice of the founding, your voice of the Founding Fathers and your spin Gary Bubba, the Republican. Rob, we want to thank you so much. We, we've got another 20 minutes uh, after this break with you. And uh, great, great insights. And I, I, just to get you going, i got a question for you when we come back. I want to know what can we do to save our military now? Because we're the way I understand it is our military is in in certain parts is is pre World War II and other parts is pre World War One. Uh, our military is in, in in a hurting hurting situation. The morale is way down thanks to a president that keeps driving uh, elements and things in our military that are demoralizing the military. You got to have a a high morale in, to win wars, and our morale is way down right now. So I want to know. Uh, what can we do to turn that? And as senator, what would you move? What actions would you take to, uh, to turn our military to save us? Uh, that you know we won't forget what the greatest generation won for, for us, and even the one before that, the, the American Revolution, perhaps really the greatest generation. Uh, lest we you know just throw away all of their great sacrifices. What can we do to restore our military? We'll take that up after the break. Thank you, Rob. Great, great time with you, and we'll see you in just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a new store on the West Bank that allows artists, vendors, and photographers to get their products to the public. It's called Lost and Found, a 5,500-square-foot warehouse space filled with second-hand pieces at low, low prices. Always changing great prices on furniture, household materials, construction materials, and so much more. Visit Lost and Found in New Orleans to find your secret treasure at 401 Madison Street at the intersection of Madison and McDonough, right on the Gretna and New Orleans line. Start your visit to Lost and Found or give them a call at 504-427-4065. That's 504-427-4065. And tell them, folks, you heard it here on the Founders Show. And hey folks, this is Chaplain High McHenry, and I'd like to tell you about a great ministry in this city. In fact, it's my ministry. It's called Lamb Ministries. We're an inner city ministry with an inner city formula for inner city folks. Check us out. Go to our website, lambnola.com. That's L-A-M-B-N-O-L-A dot com. And find out what's happening in the inner city. We, we work with inner city kids we work with the urban poor, and and we um, and the urban poor. We also have a ministry that works with the business and professional community of New Orleans. So check us out, lambnola.com. We'd love to get you involved. The city sure needs you. 
And folks, for your advertising needs, for all of your advertising needs, go to smartmediaandmarketing.com. The premier PR and advertise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As a firm in the state of Louisiana, check smartmediaandmarketing.com out. Contact their owner. That's Marty Sutton, an expert in advertising and PR issues. Check him out, folks. He can cover you in every form of media, social media, radio, television, periodicals, etc. Check him out. He's tremendous. Smartmediaandmarketing.com. And welcome back to the Founders Show, this voice of the Founding Fathers. Folks, we're in the first of our 11-part series on the Louisiana U.S. Senate race. The race to succeed, David Vitter has drawn a plethora of candidates, three on the Democratic side and a myriad on the Republican side, but four major principal candidates uh, 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 that are going on, and a fifth former congressman, two sitting congressmen, one sitting state treasurer, and the number three candidate in the 2014 U.S. Senate race, Colonel Rob Maness. And Colonel Maness is joining us, as always, here on The Founders Show. I'm Christopher Tidmore. And Chaplain Hymick and Ren, as we took our break, uh, Colonel Maness, I had left you with a question of our damaged military, severely damaged now, back to World War One and World War Two, pre-World War One and pre-World War Two status, which was extremely uh, weak and extremely small in both cases. And uh, we're in the middle of a, a desperate war. Uh, the enemy seems to be gaining on us. And we have a, a commander-in-chief that continues to find every way he can to even further emasculate us and weaken us. He's got uh, adult men, military personnel, walking around wearing high heels so they can be trained to understand what it's like to be a woman. Doing this in public, it's shameful, it's disgraceful. It is so damaging to the morale of, of our military. That, among many other things, Colonel Manus, what do you have? A, I'm sure you have a plan. I know you have a lot of thoughts about it as a military man. What can we do to save our military? Well, first thing we need to do is get our budget priorities right. Uh, look, we, we continue to spend many, many times more than our nearest uh, competitor nation uh, in defense. Uh, we, uh, uh, we need to uh, stop uh, raiding our operations and readiness accounts. Uh, sequester has forced us to do that. Uh, the Air Force now is at 85% manning, uh, and it's smaller than it's ever been. Uh, the Navy has uh, uh, got the lowest number of combat ships uh, since World War One. The Marines and the Air Force and the Navy are all having to raid uh, museum aircraft for spare parts. Uh, we have ground troops, and I talked to a platoon leader of the infantry uh, a few years ago after sequester had been in place for a year, and he said that uh, his men didn't have enough ammunition to train adequately. And this was two weeks before he led them into a ground combat deployment in Afghanistan. Uh, so we've got our budget priorities all askew, and we need to fix that. Uh, second, we need to stop the, this massive set of social experimentation 
uh, that's going on in the United States military. Uh, I was fortunate I left uh, the very month uh, that the chief of staff of the Air Force told all of its commanders they could never uh, again make any comments about spirituality or their own religion in public, uh, whether it be an official setting or not. And uh, that's wrong because, uh, you know, a, a troop's uh, physical health and uh, spiritual health is very important to being, being successful in combat and being successful in life. And it's a commander's responsibility to ensure all of that uh, is uh, going well for each of his or her troops. So we've got some major issues going on there. Uh, politics are being played uh, with the social experimentation. People are, are being t- drawn into political events uh, in uniform and all kinds of things that would never have been allowed when I was a commander uh, in the United States military. Uh, and it changed almost overnight. So that has brought morale down because folks in leadership positions are being told that they have to do things like say that uh, uh, homosexuality uh, and gay marriage uh, is normal. And if they don't, then they're being fired from leadership positions. Uh, and I just don't think that's the right thing to do. And that drives morale down. When you, when you under-resource the folks that are fighting your war for you, and we are still in a war, even though our Congress hasn't declared war, the enemy has declared war on us, so we're still fighting it. And when you under-resource your forces and you drive their morale down by trying to change the culture in ways that's not acceptable to more than 90% of the people in the military, uh, you end up with these kind of problems. Colonel Menace, you, you touched on the budget situation, and obviously the budget situation, as bad as it is now, is going to get worse. It's a simple question of demographics. We have the baby boomers retiring, and we're ending up in a situation, particularly with Social Security, where there will be um, uh, effectively one retiree for every two workers which makes Social Security fiscally intolerable given its current financing structure. So here's my question. Um, In 2014, you opposed raising the retirement age for Social Security. Um, I'm I'm curious, what is your plan to fully fund Social Security given that uh, dynamic of not raising the retirement age? How do we fully fund Social Security not only for this generation, but for the next one, and still be able to fully fund our military, pay interest on the debt, and the other responsibilities of the federal government that even conservatives say, because frankly, if you do the math, there's not enough money to do all of that even small government advocates say and pay everybody their Social Security, Medicare benefits. Well, first of all, we need to cut government first. Uh, You know, the Social Security system, and we need to look at the system. Look, guys, uh, if we don't take a hard look at the system to see if that's, if that's the right type of system to be used, we may be in danger of not having Social Security around for uh, Americans uh, when, when you and I become eligible for those. And we all know that. So we've got to take a look at a really hard look at the system. But first, we've got to cut the government. Look, we well, need wait, let me to, ask you, what do you mean uh, by, my, what do you mean, uh, Colonel, Colonel, the, before, before you go and cut a government, because I'm going to, I want to hear that, yeah. but the, we take a hard look at the system. When you say that, what do you mean? The way the tax revenues are raised through uh, withholding tax, the amount that's paid in, whether it's means tested, specifically, I mean, because, I mean, you've been looking at this for about three years. Surely you have a few ideas on how to make Social Security solvent. Yeah, let me let me lay out my economic plan for you because you have to have a strong economic plan before you take apart 
an individual system and start looking at it. So let's let's change the table. Uh, let's reset the table. Here's how I reset the table. Uh, we enact the, uh, the what's called plan for budget cutting. Uh, Colonel Manus, Colonel Manus, wait, Colonel Manus, Colonel Manus, Colonel Manus, we just lost you. There was a, uh, something in the, you know, we, we lost the signal. So can you go back about 30 seconds? Let's reset the table first, and then we'll talk about some resets. The Colonel Manus, we seem to be having a, a little problem with your cell signal when it's coming through. Okay. We seem to be losing you a little bit. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're joined by Colonel Rob Manus here on the Founders Show, and you were saying about, we'll try this one more time, about resetting our economic agenda. Go ahead. Yeah, let's reset the table economically, uh, and how I do that uh, is some some basic steps. First step is uh, enact the penny plan. That cuts 1%, one cent off of every federal dollar spent uh, for seven years. Uh, that gets you down to a balanced budget. The next step is we've got to drastically change our tax system. Uh, my idea, uh, and, and I support, is the fair tax. It's a consumption tax or a national sales tax. Uh, there are bills in the House and the Senate now that have uh, more than 80 uh, co-sponsors in the House and about 40 in the, or 30 in the Senate, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but that tax eliminates the income tax. It eliminates the corporate income tax. It eliminates the payroll tax uh, because it's no longer necessary. And the things that happen when you eliminate the income taxes, it encourages savings and investment. And the, the dollars are kept by the employees. Their whole paycheck is kept by them. They decide when they're going to pay taxes. And, those kinds of things. and when you eliminate the corporate income tax, that frees up trillions of dollars in American cap, corporate capital that's trapped overseas right now. That capital, what is it happens to it? It comes home, and what happens when it comes home? It, it enables new production, new manufacturing, jobs to be created. Instead of the government creating jobs, business creates jobs. And we need to create an environment, and it starts with the tax code, uh, where businesses are free to do that, but also one that enables the American taxpayer to be the one that makes the decision on how much taxes they pay. And by eliminating that income tax, we do that. So so that's how we set the table. Prices drop, uh, production increases. We project prices will drop 15 to 25 percent under a fair tax system, uh, and production will increase and manufacturing jobs will increase because of all that capital. That and then third, we need to audit the Fed. Uh, look, we have uh, financial wizards from Wall Street cycling through the Treasury and the Fed, and there's no oversight on it. We've got to audit the Fed because we need to know where our dollars are at and what our monetary policy is, how it's being set. And the Congress of the United States should be in control of the oversight on that. And then finally, we've got to make some cuts. In, we've got to make some real cuts in government. I'm in favor of eliminating the Federal Department of Education and block granting those resources all back to the states. That's where they should be. I'm for eliminating the federal EPA and putting that power and decision-making at the state level because that's where the, the rubber meets the road. That's where the facts are the, known the best about environmental situations. And nobody that's a bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. is going to know better than the, EP, you know, the state-level environmental quality folks on what's going on at the state level. Uh, well, let me, uh, let me ask you an environmental let me, ask you let, me, uh, let me get through my cuts first. Well, so we, then, we're right uh, out of time. We can girl. eliminate the Department of Energy. Uh, but, but that's resetting the table. Now, once we've done that, 
Uh, then we need to look at how much revenue is left. Oh, by the way, we need to also stop. Uh, we did not stop, but we need to also look at the defense budget because we're spending a lot of money on defense. Our priorities are messed up. Once we've got our priorities right and we're strong again and we have a leadership role in the world again, then we need to look at the defense budget too because I know that the acquisition system needs to be reformed. I've lived through that mess, uh, and it's a nightmare today. And it could be fixed, and there's a lot of money that could be saved there. Colonel, so I mean, it's all of yeah. that. Now that we've done all that, then we can take a look at something like, what do we do with Social Security? Look, I'm, a, I'm opposed to raising the retirement age. You, you know that, Christopher, you brought it up in your question. Because working people can't afford uh, physically and mentally for that retirement age to be raised. It's high enough for them. So we need to look at other things. How do we do that? Personally, I like the idea of looking at some type of system like what Milton Friedman recommends. Uh, the country of Chile, I believe, adopted it, and it's been working very well, where people have their own uh, retirement accounts. The government gets out of the business except for setting the rules uh, that you know require people to do that, uh, and they have oversight of it. Uh, that seems to be working very well for them. So I think we ought to take a look at it. I don't think we ought to have any options off the table except I don't think we should raise the retirement age because, you know, the white-collar people uh, in offices around this country and in offices inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C., they don't understand what the blue-collar people physically and mentally go through in their in their working lives. Colonel Rob Manis is joining us, and you mentioned environmental matters. There is a very direct environmental matter. It's called coastal erosion. We lose equi- uh, equivalent mm-hmm. before the end of this program. We will have lost one football field of coastline the state of Delaware over the last decade. And so much so that, Colonel Maintenance, that this is, wherever you call conservatives and liberals, pretty much everybody in Louisiana acknowledges this is a major problem that requires federal investment, federal help. But no one federally wants to uh, essentially views this as a major detail. At current rates of loss, Effectively, West Wego is beachfront property in 25 years, um, and that's how bad it is. And New Orleans could be an island um, in the next 30 with Thibodeau, uh, Homa, Violet, everything effectively and completely underwater. What can you do as a U.S. senator to be able to get federal resources directly to be able to at least – we won't rebuild what we've lost, but at least arrest or slow the rate of loss? Folks, we have about five minutes left before the next break. Real, real question, because we've got our final questions. Real quick answer in that, if you would, Colonel. That, that's, a good, that's a good question, Christopher, uh, and you're right. Uh, and the, the people at the federal level need to understand that it's just, it's just like the interstate highway system. Louisiana's coastal system and its river system is all part of the system uh, and is the opening of, of the uh, arteries that feed the central part of the United States of America and Canada. I mean, it's a national uh, asset, so it requires national attention and resources, and they need to be prioritized. And that's one of the things that uh, the senators from Louisiana can and do do is force prioritization. But we need a good, transparent system for doing that. When we're talking about Corps of Engineers uh, money and those kind of things, the system's not transparent. The old earmark system was just a, a payoff system, so I'm not for going back to anything like that. Right. But what I am for is transitioning to a system that prioritizes the federal resources to go to the assets 
that are most important to the nation as a whole. And Louisiana's coastal system and, and river system is one of those assets, and we need to get right. that in. Colonel, uh, so what we want to we fight for that. We want to close today's show with you and do something a little different. You always get political questions. Well, we want to ask you questions similar to what James Lipston asked on Inside the Actors Studio. I want to give my friend Sid Royal, my former radio partner, credit on this and let people know a little bit beyond the military man, the politician running for the Senate. So we're going to give you these questions. Get ready. Um, question number one, Colonel uh, Rob Manus, what is your favorite word? <laughs> Yes. What is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on? What, what, what intellectually excites you? People with open minds and ideas that uh, rely on innovation and reaching further than what we know. What turns you off? Approaches to uh, change that are closed-minded. What sound or noise do you love? I love explosions. What sound or noise do you hate? Hmm. Total silence. Uh, what profession, other than having served in the military and running for office, would you have ever liked to attempt that you never did? Uh, I wanted to be an attorney. What profession would you never want to do? <laughs> A submarine officer. <laughs> and last but not least, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear St. Peter or God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Job well done, good and faithful servant. On that note, Colonel Rob Manus, if somebody wanted to find out more about your campaign, how would they do it? Go to robmanus.com. That's R-O-B-M-A-N-E-S-S.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Rob Manus and find us on Facebook at Colonel, at Colonel Rob Manus Retired. Colonel, thank you for joining us, and hi. Patriotic moment. Right. And Rob, before but before we, we got like another minute, minute and a half, would you tell us, what motivated you? Here, you're a retired colonel. You've had a great career, great life, great family. You got a great business. You know, you're, you're an executive with a major energy company here in uh, Louisiana. What made you decide to get out of that and get in this dangerous game, this blood sport called politics? What did it? The Constitution of the United States is under attack by the folks that we're electing to send to the government, regardless of what party letter is behind their name. Uh, and they're not taking care of business so that the United States of America is going to exist for my grandchildren. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. And, you know, that reminds me of a quote from Jefferson. He said that America has two enemies, criminals and the government. Let us keep the government under the chains of the Constitution, lest the second become the first and have the law to defraud us. Great way of saying it, isn't it? And by the way, because thank you. Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back with a patriotic moment after these important messages. Stay tuned for more of the Founders Show here in WRNO and WSLA. Amen. And by the way, Colonel Manus and I both took oaths to defend the Constitution again against enemies, foreign and domestic Uh, folks. Not we're not sworn to defend the president, uh, the politicians or whatever, or even the government. We're sworn to defend one thing. The Constitution. Boy, our founding fathers knew how to say it, didn't they? They knew how to how to set things up where we would have a great country. Thank you, Colonel Manus. You were great. And folks, we'll be back in just a second, or you know, less than a minute uh, after we finish this uh, brief uh, break, brief uh, time for our sponsors. <laughs>
breaking news on the West Bank, ladies and gentlemen. A place called Lost and Found in New Orleans, a 5,500-square-foot warehouse space is open for business. It is the best place to buy secondhand pieces, inventory of furniture, household items, construction materials, artwork, clothing, all at low, low prices. Check them out. Lost and Found in New Orleans at 401 Madison Street at the intersection of Madison and McDonough, right on the border of Gretna and New Orleans on the West Bank. Give them a call, 427-4065, 427-4065, and tell them you heard it here on The Founders Show. Lost and Found in New Orleans. And folks, again, this is Chaplain High McEnory, and I'd like to tell you again about our ministry, Lamb Ministries. That's L-A-M-B Ministries. And you go to our website, lambnola.com, to find out about a, a hot, hopping and popping and moving Inner city ministry, working with inner city kids, inner city folks, uh, the urban poor, and also the business and professional community. Check us out. Go to our website, lambnola.com. That's L-A-M-B-N-O-L-A dot com. And thank you very much. Folks, we're back, and this is Chaplain High McHenry, and it is now time for us to go into our Chaplain Baba patriotic moment. We'll just take a brief moment to remind you of the biblical foundations of America, America's Judeo-Christian jurisprudence. And today, we're going to talk about John Kennedy. That's right, President Kennedy. What a remarkable president he was. He actually goes down as being one of the most conservative presidents we ever had. Uh, people don't know that about him, but he's the one that uh, was used, fighting the Cold War the right way instead of the big conventional way, which made the crony capitalists billions. In fact, uh, LBJ's family, uh, his wife owned half of Brown and Root, and he left office being a billionaire. Thanks for all the construction, building the largest port and all the infrastructure of Vietnam. If we had fought that war as a small war, my background, GS Army Special Forces, and during the Cold War, that's the Green Berets, we fought over 100 small wars, and we won every one of them. And if you had ever found out that we had won, we'd have failed in our mission. Vietnam was one of those small wars, and Kennedy was the one who basically saved U.S. Army Special Forces and then deployed them the right way. If he had just lived... You'd have never heard of Vietnam, and we'd have won that one also. He was truly a great American. He was a communist fighter. He was a crime fighter to the best. And that's why he made so many people angry at him. He really went after the bad guys. And then the, the, the worst of all, he went after the banksters. He was going to uh, do in the Fed by issuing, and he issued them gold-backed treasury notes, gold-backed treasury notes that would have been like dollar bills, but instead of being uh, the phony ones we had, they would, they'd have been real money. And... Uh, and he just happened to lose his life before he could ever really get that going. Isn't it interesting? You know that everybody that's attacked the Fed, Abraham Lincoln, hmm, he was assassinated. When uh, Andrew Jackson, President Jackson, attacked the Fed back over 150 years ago in the famous Biddle Bank War, he uh, had five assassination attempts on himself. These people are, are dirty fighters, folks. You better, it's, they're, they're the most dangerous people out there. And uh, that's why I really appreciate what... 
uh, Colonel Manus was saying, he's going to go after the Fed. Uh, every honest American should be going after the Fed right now. We need a legitimate bank that represents American interests, not foreign interests. We don't own our own bank, folks. That's owned by The Federal Reserve Bank is owned by foreigners. We have very little to say about it, and that's our money, uh, and that's why we're being done in by it. Well, folks, let's, let's take a look at JFK. What did he think about God and government? Well, this is what he said. He said, the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it and glow from that fire that, tr- that truly lights the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessings and his help, but knowing that here on earth God's work must truly be our own. This was from his inaugural address in uh, 1961. Folks, I think JFK wanted to keep God in government. Uh, he also wanted to keep uh, the hardworking folks up front. You know, he said, this is what he said, I love it. He said, and this is a very biblical concept, uh, the old, quote, uh, Puritan work ethic. He said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. What are they saying now? They're, the, the cry now is, hey, what's the freebie? Ask what can your country give me now? Uh, what freebie can I get so we can take from the worker bees and give to the lazy bums? We can take from the producers and give to the non-producers. We can get, take from the hard workers and give to the the idle uh, rich and the idle poor because they're both, uh, you know, corporate welfare is as bad as, as the, re- the other kind of welfare you always hear about. Well, folks, uh, you know, there is one thing that is free, though. And as we now go into our chaplain Baba gospel moment, you will find that out. God says that we're supposed to work a good day's work. We're supposed to earn our keep. But there's one thing we can never earn, and that's our eternal life. It's worth billions of dollars. It's even got your name written on it. But it's free, folks. It's free because Jesus bought it for you. He paid for it with his blood. When he died on the cross, the Bible says his blood has washed away all your sins. And after he died on the cross, he rose from the dead. And that's when he won for you his resurrection, everlasting life that you get for free the moment you believe. Believe that you can't save yourself. You'll never be good enough, smart enough, rich enough, holy enough, whatever enough, hardworking enough to be good enough for God. You don't have to. He was good enough for you when he died for all your sins and rose from the dead. That's God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, perfect God and perfect man, all the way God and all the way man. If you've never believed before, folks, believe now. Believe today that you can do it so you're free to believe that only he can, that he did, and that he will. You're free to put faith alone in Christ alone. If you've never done it, the scripture says today is the day of salvation. Do it right now. Believe with all your heart that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. When you believe with all your heart, it's because your heart's not trusting anything else like your good works or turning from sin or whatever, whatever you think you may have to do. You can do none of that. Repent means to change your mind. Change your mind that you can't do it. So you're free to believe that he did do it for you and that he is doing it for you. And all you got to do is with a faithful little child, claim that for you. Believe now, folks, that Jesus died for all your sins, was buried and rose from the dead. Well, it's time for us to go. I want to thank you so much for being with us. This is Chaplain High McHenry, and we look forward to having you on the next show. God bless y'all out there. Does this have to be the end of the night? Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.